Well, all right. Welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown, episode 141. And uh, hey, sometimes you go on Twitter and somebody says, you know, there should be like a music and hockey podcast. And then we just kind of slide in there and say, uh, <laughs> we got one. And uh, from that, uh, you develop a really cool relationship. So we have Kyle with us. Kyle is the uh, digital manager for the stars, which is super cool. Uh, I mean, you know us with our in our podcast world. We always tend to have, you know, people from the alternative music space uh, on our show. So it's cool to have someone who is from the hockey side of things, who just happens to be a lover of all things alternative music. So, Kyle, thank you so much for, for being here with us and taking some time tonight. What's going on, man? uh stoked to be here that was an awesome intro song um yeah ever since uh i sent out that tweet i was just like man it would be so cool to just kind of talk about two of my you know favorite passions and then boom you know made it happen so thanks for having me of course yeah and it's uh it's it's interesting that that was kind of like the laurels of what this podcast was built on a couple of years back um you know mikey was playing in kind of like a, a pickup league with uh some of the guys in uh, famed Long Island band and be on the coast who I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. And uh, Love you know, yep. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, at one of the, one of the games or something, um, the, uh, the bassist of like Bayside showed up or, or some, that connection got built in there. And all of a sudden it was like, I think there's more of this. Let's explore that. And then uh, 141 episodes later, here we are still exploring. So uh, still my goal if I can ever get it is to meld all three of my passions together. That'd be music, hockey, and wrestling and get, uh, um, Andy Williams, AKA the butcher, who is an AW wrestler. He's also the guitarist of every time I die and a known Sabres fan. So if we get him on, I'm going to quit the podcast. So that's, <laughs> that's word right, here, so I, but <laughs> that's my mission now. So I could finally get rid of you. Yeah. Good luck. You're it's, <laughs> it's not that easy. All right. So, Let's just like just dive into it. So um, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about um, kind of your journey to how you got to this position with the stars. But before we even do that, I kind of want to hear more about your journey in uh, like in, in punk rock and emo and all that kind of stuff. So um, where did where did your love for alternative music sort of kick off? How did that start? Uh, probably. So I'm born and raised in L.A. Okay. So we, at least in the, the neighborhood that I grew up, we had a pretty strong punk, ska, hardcore scene growing up. So cool. I think it was like probably middle school when I was kind of just like listening to whatever was on the radio. And then, you know, just somehow I, I think probably like a lot of people back home, I stumbled upon K-Rock. Started listening to them a bit. Um, I think one of my, I think what hooked me was, listening to green day's dookie album for the first time yeah. and i was just like oh my god this is life-changing mm -hmm. and that kind of just spawned this um passion you know like just growing up um i feel like i was in high school during the heyday of pop punk like early 2000s so not only was i growing as i guess as you know as a person but I was, you know, listening to these bands and going to these shows for the first time in my life. And it was just like life changing. Mm -hmm. and so it kind of just, it resonated with me. And um, it's just a, a passion. I, I love music. I love, you know, pop punk, punk, ska, 
hardcore just as much as I liked hockey. And um, I've, I don't know, I've, I've kind of loved both ever since I can remember. So awesome. Yeah. I, I think that, I think Dookie was a lot of people's like gateway drug into this. Uh, I, I feel like it was either Dookie, uh, Enema of the State, um, you know, potentially, uh, you know, one of those first offspring records, Smash or mm-hmm. Ixnay, or maybe even got a little deep and like you were a punk and drublet guy or like, you know, something like that. But there was so much um, that kind of pervaded the space. But Blink, Green Day and the offspring just in that era, um, they were just so they were so popular and they kind of transcended, you know, some of what was going on in, in late nineties, you know, with all the bubblegum pop and all the boy bands and the tail end of grunge, they were kind of able to come out of that um, and really pave a path for that early two thousands, which like was, which is where it exploded. So um, on that note, um, I was going through your tweets and I saw that you were a, a, a big saves a day fan. So mm-hmm. the first show, the first general admission show that I ever went to, like the first show that I ever went to was uh, I saw Blink-182, Newfound Glory, and this band called Body Jar. I don't know if you remember them. They were they were, they were were kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that was like a, a an arena show. But my first uh, general admission show was at this uh, little venue uh, on Long Island called, oh, my God, it's uh, the Vanderbilt. And it was uh, Hey Mercedes, Thursday, Saves a Day. And it was the year 2000. So I was like 13 or 14 uh, I was like in middle school and it was like the most impressionable experience of my life I was just like that's when I became a tremendous saves a day fan um, that's when you know I was like oh hey Mercedes is so cool and then you know I do like a little bit of checking and I'm like oh who was this band braid this guy was in braid and then all of a sudden from there you start to splinter off and you start to see like all of the bands that es- essentially like built that Midwest emo scene so that all of these newer bands that are out kind of now are, are doing their thing. But do you remember uh, your first general admission show? Oh, oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, uh, I think I was 15, maybe it was Bucko nine. Okay. Um, great, great ska band. Uh, mm-hmm. Saw them at a venue in Anaheim called chain reaction. Yeah. And I had never been to a concert, so I didn't know what to expect. And for like, I always think of it as like a, um, it's like a 200, 250 capacity back alley dump. Um, but my favorite venue of all time, I think we all have those. And to see that band, you know, for eight bucks or whatever, be right in the front, there's no guardrail, was unbelievable. And that it was crazy because the moon, the planets must have aligned because I think three days later I saw um, Sugar Cult at the House of Blues Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, wild, loved them back in the day. And then it wasn't very much uh, longer when I saw uh, Blink-182, Green Day, and Jimmy Eat World in the Pop, Pop Disaster Tour. Pop Disaster and that was Tour, that a, yep. So that was the amphitheater. So that was a little, uh, I went from, you know, like a 200 capacity venue to an amphitheater. But mm-hmm. uh, those those early 2000s were wild for me. Just going I, to shows all the time, yeah. you know? I, I mean, and, and that, that's got a me and, me and Mikey in a nutshell. So the two of us grew up on, on Long Island together we're really close friends. We kind of moved away. He's in Charlotte. I'm in Orlando now, but um, I would say we spent probably two or three years uh, going to this venue called the downtown, probably every weekend. 
and maybe a couple of weekdays, you know, like every small tour package came through the downtown. If it was like a bigger band, it usually went to New York city, but if it was smaller bands or even some bigger bands, they'd hit the downtown the downtown kind of like the chain reaction, you know, probably a three, three fifty cap venue, small venue, but you know, everybody who was everybody touched it because long Island has such a rich culture of like breeding really good, you know, punk music and hardcore and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, we could probably, we won't do it. We won't talk for 12 hours about it, but we could probably talk about all of the bands that we saw and all of the cool shows that we saw, but it, hold I, I on, think- Tom, I got to come in here because Uh-oh. we're making that connection, you know, to long Island, early two thousands. And we had, you know, victory records. We had triple crown records sure. in our backyard. So like, yeah. you know, brand new taking back something like those are our local bands like when yeah. we were in high school mm-hmm. but then kyle you're literally across the country yeah where you are having kind of this emo pop punk revolution happening and drive through records is leading mm-hmm. the way yeah. so like it was yeah what was that like that scene was wild uh we had you know i just think of some band local bands i guess you could say like there's a band called homegrown back then uh, that I loved love homegrown. Uh, they were unbelievable and so um, to this day I think you know Kings of Pop is one of my favorite albums but um, record, yeah. the scene was great and I think I think what at least for me what really interests me is um, finding out where a lot of these bands are from so like when I, when I was growing up I always thought okay Taking Back Sunday brand new um, band called Midtown mm-hmm. all East Coast bands um, yep. that's, that's a certain like vibe a certain style and then I think of you know, you get and you go to like Chicago and you get bands like back then, Fall Out Boy, Spitalfield, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So you kind of like I, you connect bands geographically. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the scene in the Southern California was awesome. It was rich, rich in, um, you know, the ska scene. Like we had bands like Real Big Fish. We had Goldfinger, yeah. you know, and all that. So that's kind of what I kind of grew up in and kind of immersed myself in. But Again, like taking back Sunday, like seeing being able to see them at that venue called Chain, uh, Chain Reaction in Anaheim was um, was crazy. Like I can remember, I still remember like vividly pieces of probably every show that I've been to, and I think that kind of that's the special thing about um, our our genre, you know? Yeah, I, and I and I think you know talking about Drive Through Records, which is a very a very interesting label because of um, you know, so they're they're a label based out in. In, in California, right? You know, that's like their their whole deal. I think they were like Santa Monica or, you know, where, wherever they were from. But um, other than, realistically, like other than, I guess, Finch, mm-hmm. something corporate, and I guess the Bandits, like the rest of the bands that were on, and Homegrown, of course, but the yeah. rest of the bands that were on drive through were, were all East Coast bands, with, you know, yeah. Alistair being the one Chicago band. But I mean, Early November, starting line, uh, mm-hmm. you know, newfound, the movie life, um, hidden in plain view, um, you know, so like all these bands, um, it, it's like the the dichotomy of like where you're from, right, is so important. But you know, a band like Drive Through just probably realized like, hey, you know, just because we're out in Cali doesn't mean that like we can't tap into that East Coast market or that up north market. So I think just what they did in the short amount of time that like drive through existed, you know, maybe 10 years, call it. Um, they did some really, really wild things. Um, 
But it, it's cool that you bring up Chain Reaction because like that's a place that I have a lot of familiarity with, but I've never stepped foot in, right? So, I mean, I, I've seen countless videos, uh, you know, through the years on YouTube and all this stuff of bands playing the Chain Reaction. I mean, there's like the, there's one infamous one that's like all over the place of Thrice playing Deadbolt, like at the Chain Reaction, and then there's a a video of uh, Rufio playing above me at the Chain Reaction. Mm-hmm. That like it's just like it, it's it's so iconic the way that the downtown or like even like, you know, some of the new, uh, you know, the, the New York venues, you know, like Irving or the Gramercy that like they make, they, they give me that iconic feeling because of like, you know, what was there and what they did. So um, other than like, you know, chain reaction and stuff, now, chain reaction, that's Anaheim. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know like, I'm not big up on LA geography, but I know like it's a, it's like a tight cluster of like, kind of like like LA and, and Anaheim and you know like all like a lot of places are just kind of close to one another but like as far as like commuting was concerned for instance like did you ever find yourself like when you were deep in it like you know if a tour didn't come to LA like would you like go to San Fran or like would you like do that crazy traveling to see something? I think the furthest I went um and a lot of this I didn't start driving till I was 18. So from the ages of like 14 to let's say 18, I mm-hmm. went to so many shows. So we were kind of limited in that. I was kind of limited in that capacity. Mm-hmm. I would often, uh, I would just pretty much beg my friend's older sister to take us to shows because she was the only one that could drive. So I think the farthest we went was San Diego. So on a good day, you could, we could probably get down there in about an hour and a half, two hours. But okay. um, the nice thing though with, the LA Orange County area is there's so many venues. Um, There's so many venues in Hollywood, um, you know, up in the Valley and then so many in in Orange County, even Riverside, like all these neighboring counties, a band is going to stop there no matter Mm -hmm. what. It's just a matter of what venue. And so uh, I always had, I, I often, I mean, it depends on the band, but like if a band was going to a venue that was a little too big for my taste, I'd be like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Like I was that kind of guy, but yeah, uh, um, yeah it, we I never really ran into that issue, and the only times I went was in, to San Diego, so cool. I was locked in. Nice. Some of my favorite memories are doing like those two-hour drives to like a different market. So like, even though same thing, like Long Island, we had plenty of venues on Long Island. We had New York City, you know, a train ride away. Mm-hmm. It was still some of my fondest memories, like getting in a car with my buddies. And like going to Poughkeepsie or going to Connecticut, and it, and there was really no reason because like the tour would be stopping at like on Long Island like two yeah, nights yeah. later or a night mm-hmm. later, and it was just like you know what, let's just like go to a different market to see one of our favorite bands, and that that was always like what I remember and look back on. It's just it was a great time, like. I think just being, you know, a teenager at, you know, at that time and seeing these bands that just were so impactful on my life and, um, you know, helped me get through high school. Like I wasn't a high school to me, wasn't a, didn't have a great experience in high school. So I think I often resorted to music to kind of get me through those days and, you know, to be able to, to see these bands that I, I, that meant so much to me, like in person, I thought was just the coolest thing. And I thought that there'd be a day when I kind of outgrew going to concerts, but uh, no, it's not, it's, it's still with me. So. um, Yeah. You don't, you you don't outgrow going to concerts. You just change the way you go to concerts. Right. So like, you know, now, now at this age, like if 
I go to a show, like you bet your ass I'm hanging, hanging back at the bar <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, being like that old man that like, you know, looks at someone coming out of the pit with like a black eye and I'm just <laughs> like, Oh, you, I yeah. remember, I remember doing that, you know, like, and the here's like, Oh, whatever you old creep, like get away from me. And I'm just like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> but like, that's just, that's just how things change, but there is no substitute for live music. And, uh, um, you know, it was a scary time through this pandemic. Cause I mean, there was a, you know, there was a good chance that like a lot of this industry was going to really get hit hard and, and it, and it did. Um, and, you know, we talked about it on the past couple of episodes of our podcast about, you know, the changes that the industry is going through. And, you know, now, especially how, you know, it's almost like if you buy a ticket to a show, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get to see that show, you know, because close quarters with the way COVID is, even with the precautions that people are taking to try to be as safe as they can, um, tours are getting shut down. People are are testing positive and in the interest of, you know, trying to keep everybody safe and in the interest of keeping everybody healthy, you know, you just have to realize like as, as much as this is a job for a lot of people and that's how, you know, they create their money and livelihood, you know, you can't risk your, your health. And even with, you know, a lot of people kind of hive minded in the alternative music space, a lot of people are vaccinated and a lot of people are following that path of doing the right thing. You know, unfortunately, as we're learning, you know, even if you're double vaxxed, you could still have breakthrough cases and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, great band, you know, that we've had on the podcast uh, before Free Throw, uh, you know, it just came out that their lead singer, unfortunately, had a breakthrough case and hit them really hard. And, you know, we're, we're you know, we're all kind of crossing our fingers for Corey, that maniac. Um, but uh, it's real, you know, so um, I think you kind of have to look at it this way that you know, changes are, are kind of coming in this industry. So having these memories of all of these great shows and stuff is, is fantastic. And I know, you know, it'll get to a point eventually where things start to uh, get a little bit safer. But um, to that note, I guess the point that I'm getting at is, you know, so even though the experience of going to a live show is kind of, you can't really match it. Um, I don't know if you've had, had like the time in the past like year or two uh, to like take in some of these virtual performances uh, that have happened. I know like the wonder years did a couple mm-hmm. men zingers did a few. I don't know if you had a chance to see any, but I don't know what your kind of take on that is because I think it's a good way for people who are still scared of, of, of getting out there to still have an experience like that. I think one of the, one of the first artists, uh, a guy that I really admire, uh, one of my favorite singer songwriters, Brian Fallon, he started doing, um, I think just, it might've just been him on Instagram live with an acoustic, mm-hmm. I think, or maybe a piano, just playing some of his songs just to kind of, you know, keep that, that, that feeling alive, you know? Yeah. And so I think those were my earliest memories. I saw that under oath had one that I, I tuned into that was unreal. Yeah. Uh, Men's Zingers. I saw one of my favorite mm-hmm. bands Yeah. and I, I would, I wouldn't, I'd like to give them a shout out because, um, as I got older and in my thirties, I, I discovered Menzingers and that band to me, like it was funny because back in the day I would listen to Blink or I'd listen to Yellow Card or whatever, you know, these bands. And I could relate to the lyrics at that time of my life. And it wasn't really until I listened to Menzingers where I was like, wow, like these lyrics today resonate with what I'm going through now in my life mm-hmm. now. So yep. love them. But uh, yeah, I, I stuck to those, um, live streams and I watch it on my phone or I watch it on my computer and 
you know, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't the same, but it was still, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was better than nothing. Of course. Now, have you checked out Spanish love songs yet? Yes. Love them. All right. Because th- that was kind of the same experience I had because, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and I just remember like listening to them for the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, like every lyric is like what I'm experiencing at this mm-hmm. stage in my life. And yeah, it's, it's cool. Like being older, older and discovering <laughs> new music. And yeah. it, it's a totally different vibe than when we were in, you know, the early two thousands and going to these, you know, general mission shows and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spanish love songs. I kind of stumbled upon them. I think during quarantine, actually, mm-hmm. uh, their newest album came out and I was just like, Whoa, yeah. like, this is yeah. awesome. Oh, and yeah. if I, I think they're from, I guess where I'm from LA area, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so again, like I often, um, you know, I, I, I think of certain albums and it brings me back to a certain time in my life. So with that album from Spanish love songs, I think that'll always bring me back to when I was stuck at home, you yep. know, I hadn't had nothing else to do, but oh, yeah. listen to, to music. So absolutely. Yeah. And the poignancy of like those, of those lyrics and bands like, you know, the Menzingers and, and all that kind of stuff just shows that like, you can develop and you don't necessarily have to write songs about just being lovesick or lovelorn, you know, like there, there's a lot more out there in terms of content. But the, the one thing that I think about a lot too, is like a band that kind of um, has been around for a long time and can really change with the time. So like one band that like, I always kind of find falls into that perspective are, are the wonder years, because, you know, when you think of the upsides, right, the upsides was like, that record that we all listened to in our like mid twenties, that was like, Holy shit. Like this guy's got it. Like this guy, Mm -hmm. no. Right. But now you move, you know, you move forward and you look at like their, you know, their newest record, sister cities, you know, 10 years past what the upsides was. Mm -hmm. And he's still writing poignant lyrics, but he's just writing things from the perspective of being a, you know, a mid thirties guy, which is like Mm kind of where we're all at. Right. So it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's almost like we grew up with him. But the thing that I always think about is like, as an artist, right. Who has like such a diverse catalog, right. Like, you know, even though the upsides is like really what put the wonder years on the map. Right. It's like, you know, I think of Dan Campbell, who's the vocalist now who like, you know, he has a wife and uh, a child and I think possibly even another child on the way. And, you know, it's like, how do you go back and sing some of those songs from the upsides and do it in earnest? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe like as a musician, you kind of have to shut that side of your brain off and just be like, okay, you know, I know people love this stuff and I know I wrote it when I was, you know, younger and angstier and, you know, hated the world way more. But like, you know, I think of almost all the content on the upsides and it's like, how could you, like yeah. sing that stuff with, with as much gusto knowing where you are now. Right. So it's like, and then and like extrapolate that to like a band like Blink-182. Right. So like it blows my mind to think that like Mark Hoppus with everything he's been through beating cancer and all this stuff will eventually get back on stage and be like, ha ha pee pee poo poo. It's just like, <laughs> dude, like you're like 45 years old. Like, but I guess he just has to, I guess, maybe you just have to remember that like that's the stuff that put the money in your pocket. So you got to give the people what they want. But like as an artist, I mean, that kind of can be hard to do. Right. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder though, I wonder if, right. Like obviously a lot of those lyrics might not uh, relate as much these days, but I wonder if it brings them back 
to a specific time in their life, right? Like, yeah, I, I think of Blink-182's uh, Cheshire Cat or even um, like Buddha, you yeah. know? And I mm-hmm. think of those in, like, if I heard those songs, to, if, if let's just say, that, let's say, you know, Tom came back and, and Mark was there. Um, if I heard those songs today at a show of theirs, I would go crazy. Mm-hmm. Just because I think it brings me back to all those memories. So I don't know, maybe that maybe that's how they look at it. It's an interesting question, though. Yeah, I, I, I would think so, too. And I, I have a hunch that um, after everything that happened with Mark, I just have a little bit of a hunch that uh, Blink-182 is eventually going to be winding down. And I have a feeling that uh, we're going to get one final tour with uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis. Um, I'm hoping for it. I, I, you know, I know the door was closed for a long time, but I'm understanding that there's been some reconciliation and Man, if if that isn't a tour that would sell out in literal seconds, I don't I don't know what what would. I mean, my chem like pretty much sold out in like 15 seconds. I feel like if Mark, Tom, and Travis were like, "Hey, we're gonna do one last hurrah," I feel like that'd be like the five seconder. Like if you're not sitting there at 10 a.m. hitting your button, you're not going. But (laughs) dude, so I, I love this conversation. This is this is awesome. So let's pivot a little bit real quick. Um. I'm eventually going to have to read an ad, right? Yes. Okay. I don't want to do that just right now. Uh, But what I do want to do is I want to trace back how you got into hockey. So um, I guess the first thing is, you know, LA, um, you know, is, I I guess when you were growing up was like kind of a relatively new hockey community. I mean, I guess like there was like what before, like the Kings, there was like the, or is it the like the seals and the golden bears and some of the stuff in like the seventies and the eighties? But I mean, like, did your fandom start with the the LA Kings or did it start with the Ducks or how did your hockey love on the West Coast develop? My fandom, um, because of the Kings, uh, my fandom started with the Ducks. So mm. one of my best friends growing up, he lived two houses down from me, and his dad was a season ticket holder for the Kings back at the mm. old. Great Western Forum. This was early 90s, so I must have been, uh, let's see, six years old, maybe, seven. Mm-hmm. I went out to a – he I, he might have had an extra ticket. Took me out um, – the family took me out to a Kings game, Kings versus Flyers. Like, for some reason, I remember that. And I didn't know what hockey was at the time, and I was just hooked. And I think it just so happened that that year or the following year, the Mighty Ducks became a team. And it was more so like, this is a legit, like true story. It was more so despite my friend's dad, cause he was so hardcore Kings. I was like, I'm going to root for this other team down the road just to piss them off. And um, that's how it started. And, you know, I started going to Mighty Ducks games and maybe once or twice a season, we'd make the drive down. And then at that point, we, I had started playing street hockey. A lot of us back here or back in California grew up playing street hockey. Awesome. And, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of ice rinks at the time. So I threw on a pair of rollerblades, started playing inline hockey. And it just so happened that the local team, we had a draft skate and the local team that took me were the Mighty Ducks. So it kind of was just meant to be. And so ever since probably like 94, I was uh, a Ducks fan. And, um, you know, I was, I mean, I got to see them win the cup in 07. I was there in the stands. So, uh, yeah, hockey's been with me for a very long time. And it's uh, it's definitely very impactful on my life, just just as music is, and I would probably hold them in the same tier. So. so I guess, like, what was it like when you eventually started to work for the Ducks, like the team that you rooted for? Like, 
I'm sure you had like some real emotions watching the Ducks win the Stanley Cup and then like to eventually work for that organization. Like that mm-hmm. must have been like the most unreal moment. It was. So I I, I had to pay my dues first. Oh, to work I'm, for I'm the sure. Ducks. I'm sure. Um, well, I, I say that because I paid my dues because my first internship in professional hockey is with the Kings. So here I am like absolutely despising this team you know all growing up like i couldn't stand them boo them you know and then sure enough that's my foot in the door i was actually an intern with the kings in 2009 so once uh my fellow staff members there found out i was a ducks fan it was uh it was on like i would never hear the end of it um but fortunately uh so i will forever be thankful for the kings to give me that opportunity to you know give me a chance to to work in pro hockey but the next year i was an intern with the ducks and i mean that was just a dream come true like we they had you know players that i grew up you know idolizing i mean tamu solani was there you know getzloff and perry were there perry was my favorite player you know i guess he and i are almost the same age but i had all his jerseys so (laughs) is that's a weird like stage in your life right like when you have a jersey of someone that's like your age or younger like that's that starting to happen with me i'm like this is weird now <laughs> it's, it's super weird and I, I always i guess i maybe because they're professional athletes i always think they're older but um i think perry's only a year older than me so i think about it and it's pretty weird but uh that was a great time i mean to to live out your dream to work for your favorite team to you know you know talk to them on a, on a daily basis, like in the locker room, getting quotes from them or, or just helping them out was, uh, that was special. That was really special. And that was, uh, that was almost 12 years ago. So it's been a while since I, since I first started working for the ducks, I should say. Yeah. And, and then I, I guess this is a perfect time to, to bring up because uh, Tom and I always like kind of, I guess talk smack about the type of music that hockey players like, and it's just not always our cup of tea, but you did mention that Andrew Cagliano and you like it's somehow came up that you guys both like the same style of music. Yeah. So he was, that was one of the things I always like to kind of, you know, small talk with, try to figure out what they listen to. And a lot of the guys are like, Oh yeah listen to the country, listen to the EDM, that's rap, that's fine. Um, but when he told me he was, we were talking, uh, you know, and I think he said something like, it might have been Lumineers or something like that, Mount Joy, maybe something like that, um, where all of a sudden, like, the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, my God, I have something in common with this guy that we could talk about. And it, uh, I can't remember if it was also City and Color. Uh, maybe I was just hoping that that was the case. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a couple bands in common. It was um, – it might have been Lumineers or the Decemberists or something like that. Um, however, I will say the the closest that I got, and I regret this to this day because I never really asked him about it, was Erica Branson. Um, apparently, he's a big hardcore guy. Didn't know because I didn't ask. And uh, by the time I realized it, he was gone. So uh, big regrets. So I'm still here in Dallas. I'm still trying to find uh, a player with similar music musical interests. So fingers crossed but it's funny like once you have that one band you're like oh that's like a band i know that like it's kind of you know not your typical top 40 artist Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of like how tom and my relationship started like tom you found out that i was into something corporate and you were like 
all right, there's something about this guy. (laughs) And here we are like 20 years later, still friends. And it's like, once you have that connection, it's hard to break it. Like that, that's where you could go and just have your small talk and such. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that, to that end too, it's like, that is kind of the way I feel, you know, when like you're out and about and you meet other people that are also like hockey fans or for me, like wrestling fans, but like hockey fans, you know, it still is in America, sad to say it, it's still very much like a, a counterculture type of sport. You know, it, it's just like, you know, it's it's a great thing now that, you know, ESPN and TNT have picked it up and it's going to get a little bit more, um, you know, visibility. But like still, it you know, it unfortunately pales in comparison to football, baseball and basketball. And I never feel the same connection like, you know, if someone's like, oh, you're a Mets fan, me too. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, cool. But like, you know, if I run into someone, you know, and I'm wearing Islanders gear or something, they're like, oh, you know, the Islanders, you know, like I grew up on Long Island, a huge Islander fan. All of a sudden it's like instant vibes. It's like, okay, here we go. Because it's like nobody is just I feel like there are very few casual hockey fans, right? Like you could easily be like a casual football fan and be like, yeah, I'm a Giants fan. But, you know, like I haven't, you know, watched, you know, a game all year. You very infrequently, and I mean, we've met a couple, but you very infrequently meet people that are like, oh, yeah, like I'm a hockey fan, but like, you know, not since like the days of like Sergei Fedorov and Steve Eiserman. It's like, you know, you don't hear that. It's like, it's either like hockey ugh, or like, yeah, hockey. So like that is something I love. And uh, I'm sure you probably kind of feel that way too, right? It's just like instant connection with someone that shares something that you care about so much because mm-hmm. now you have a, a direct line that if all else fails, you know, if you're like, how's the weather? And they are like, you know, you could just be like, okay, so, <laughs> you know, did you like, did you catch the Kings game? And then like all of a sudden now you've got a, a, a built in track there, which I think is great. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I, yeah, I'm the same way. Like as soon as I find out if, if I meet someone and I find out they're into hockey, it's just like, boom. Like, here we go. There's a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found, though, that these days, I don't – that's becoming less and less surprising. Like, there's a lot more hockey fans these days. But um, what I'm really stoked on is when I come across people that I've never met that are into, you know, the old school pop punk. Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, I always felt that that kind of – that era kind of died out. And I there was almost a part of me that was – not embarrassed to like keep listening to it. Like, I don't want to be like, Oh, there's that guy still listening to like, you know, two thousands, uh, whatever, like victory records or something like here's a warp tour sampler. But, um, mm-hmm. to know that there are still not just like a handful of people, but like a lot, a lot of people that are still listening to those, those albums, you know, those bands, like, I think that pumps me up. So like I could talk about it all day and it's, um, so, here's what we need to do because tom and i used to have a segment on this show called only 2001 to 2005 and like (laughs) all we would do is like break down an album from that time period and it had to be from only 2001 to 2005 okay i think we need to get you on and we need to bring that segment back like we we haven't (laughs) broke down any something corporate any started like yeah yeah i'm gonna have it I am I am absolutely all for it, and uh, we're just going to take a tiny little break. We're going to be back and chat more with Kyle uh, for a little bit, uh, but I, now I am going to read an ad for DraftKings. Um, 
there isn't ever any like cool way to like segue this. Uh, I'm sure like if we I think were you better, should just make you do it in a cool voice again because that was the best. I'll do it. I'll, I'll all right. Let me try. I'll do a cool voice. Uh, maybe I can get through all of this in Sean Connery voice since he unfortunately just passed away today, uh, which is such a bummer. He passed away at 90. I think I saw. I we'll see. I don't know. Maybe like I well. I don't want to say I hope he did. I hope he's living a wonderful life, but I also like kind of hope that I'm not lying when I say that he passed away. Uh, I, I have no clue, Tom. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm going to go for it. So, uh, yeah, DraftKings, uh, they're our sponsor. We're pumped about it. I'm going to read this in a silly voice. So here we go. Ready? Oh, the NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Win a winner chicken dinner it's that simple and if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests DraftKings is giving away all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit money penny call to action I shouldn't have read that Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. <laughs> we're going to get kicked off. No one's, we're not going to retain this sponsor. Use promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. You bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. And that's with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, Trebek. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Boom. All right. I'm surprised you did not crack because I like <laughs> one sentence in, I would have been done. Well, the problem is I like, I read the port, the part that says like call to action, which is no, like, that's the best part. You, you don't read that part, but I did it. It's fine. We're good. So, um, let's, let's talk Dallas stars because that that's where you are holding down the fort now. And, you know, Dallas is one of those markets that's super interesting to me because it's not your traditional hockey market, but it's become a hockey market. So, like, what what is it like to move from, like, the L.A. area that's now a hockey market, but the teams aren't doing so great, to then go to work for the Dallas Stars? I think the biggest surprise to me, and I had been to Stars games a couple times as the road team over over the years, but... The one thing that stood out to me right off the bat was the the passion from the fans that come to the games. Uh, they're loud. They, you know, they they know the game. Like they they know what's going on um, as it happens, which is which is great. You know, I think of like little things like delayed penalties and things like that. They know to to get loud. They know that a power play is coming. Um, it's a great great fan base. Very passionate. Uh, very vocal. Um, and it's. Um, yeah, you know, they talk about 
you know, Southern states, I guess, not being a traditional hockey market, but they're, they're super passionate here. And that's, uh, that was really refreshing to see. And I think it's still, even like I, I've, I've worked a handful of home games now and it still surprises me during the national anthem when they yell out stars. Like, I think that's a, it's a, it's a cool thing. And it always kind of catches me by surprise, but um, yeah, they're loyal out here. Loyal as heck. Yeah. And you know, I'm here in North Carolina and I go to hurricanes games all the time. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, North Carolina is not your traditional hockey market, but their fans are, are very, I, I would, probably compare them they're very similar to to stars fans and, and it's cool to see and i i'm all about growing the game of hockey like i love the fact that seattle has a team i want more teams like bring them bring them on like mm-hmm. i heard that texas could be getting another team knock on wood I, I hope that happens like i'm all for like a healthy league that has plenty of teams and i just love the sport of hockey so i'm all for it well, another thing too is Texas is also um, very strong in the youth hockey game. Um, they have some of the best, you know, youth teams in the country. Uh, the Stars Elite teams. I, I even back when I was, you know, still in Anaheim, I, I always remember hearing when our junior ducks would go play tournaments that the Stars team from out here um, was some of the top tier in the country. So it's nice to see that grassroots initiative kind of you know, blossoming. And now you're kind of seeing the, you know, the result of that with, you know, players that are getting drafted out of here, same with California. So um, it's vibrant, man. It's, it's, it's booming. And it's great. And being a hockey guy, like to be able to move here and, you know, be amongst people that share the same passion is, is is all I could ever ask for. Hell yeah. So can you kind of walk us through your day to day with the stars? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it depends. Like in a nutshell, I, I manage all of the content that gets posted on the website and on our app. So whether it's, um, you know, writing stories. Um, so there's two, we have two writers on staff here and I'm one of them and we kind of cover the team on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, a typical game day, I guess you could say is, you know, show up to the rink early. I'm there for the morning skate. We're kind of figuring out, okay, what are the potential lineups going to be like? We talked to the coach and the player before the game, kind of craft a story based on that. Uh, you know, last night we had, they were in Winnipeg. So we had a, a rookie making his regular season NHL debut, Thomas Harley. So there's a storyline there. Um, watch the game, write about it. Um, and then, you know, I, I have a thing where after each game, I'll do a recap of it. And then I'll have my five takeaways from the game five things that kind of stood out to me. It's been a little tough uh, as of late, just because the team is struggling a bit, but um, that's pretty much like a, a typical day. So, you know, really I'm just, I'm there to provide content about what's going on with the team on any day. And so whatever you see on the site is kind of what I put up there. Um, so that's, that's what I've, I've done since yeah, it's been, a, it's, it feels like it, it feels like I got hired yesterday, but I I joined the team in April and then I moved out here in late June. So um, finally getting into the swing of things with the full season again. It's nice. It's nice to have a full season, a regular schedule. Yeah, oh, it's been yeah. a while. Yeah. Hell yeah. So so pumped that hockey's back full swing and starting in October instead of like January or whatever it was last year. Like, yeah, I'm all for that. So I, I guess, um, you know, to to kind of 
bring the two worlds together. You know, on episode 100 of Bar Down Breakdown, we had Derek from State Champs on. I see you rocking your your State Champs hoodie. Yeah, got and, it on right here. And <laughs> Derek is like a very vocal Dallas Stars fan, like and has been since like State Champs first started, like mm-hmm. always repping the Stars, even though they're from Albany, New York. And like it, we you know, it didn't seem like the Stars caught on to it yet. And like state champs is now like at the top of the pop punk world. Like they're leading that new wave. And it's like, mm-hmm. when the heck are the stars going to realize that like there's this huge band that loves their team. And then this came out, <laughs> which yeah, I'm guessing you had something to do with. Maybe might've had a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of a say in that. Uh, the, the backstory is actually really interesting and um, pretty funny. It was, uh, they were, I think they were in San Antonio or they're heading to San Antonio. And Derek, I don't know if it was on the state champs account or his personal account. He tagged Dallas Stars on Instagram because he was wearing like an old school starter jacket. And I didn't see it at the time, but our social media manager um, that the next day was like, hey, uh, you know, I know, I don't know if you know this band, but I, you probably do because you're in that kind of scene. Uh, they tag like the singer tagged us in a photo. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you want to just take a look? And she showed me the account and it was like State Champs NY. And I was like, what? Like, my jaw dropped. I could not believe it. I was freaking out. First of all, I thought it was just cool that he was repping the stars. That was awesome. Um, it wasn't until later that day when I was sitting at my desk, I was like, oh, you know what? Let me see where they're at on tour. And it just so happened that the next day, so this, let's just say this was, I think this is around 5.36 PM on a Monday. Um, they're in Dallas the next day. It just so happened to be. So I, I thought, you know what? Like, let's try to get this guy a jersey. We're able to get approval to get a jersey custom pressed for him. I was thinking about, I remember, I, now I remember like when that tour was announced, I was like, oh, that'd be sick to go to that show. It's been a while because I think Real Friends were on the tour and I'm a big fan of Real Friends. But mm-hmm. we had a home game that day. So I couldn't go because I had to be at our Stars game. But we were DMing, or our social media manager was DMing with him, trying to coordinate like a meetup. And I was like, oh my God, this is happening. So we, we were able to present him that jersey at like 2.30 the next day before his show. I think they were about to go do sound check and we were able to, to drive down to the house of blues Dallas and hand them this Jersey. And all the while I'm trying to like rein it in a little bit. Like <laughs> I'm not trying to freak out. Cause you know, obviously this is a band that, you know, I love like finer things is one of my, it's a classic album. I love that album. So oh, yeah. just to bridge that gap and have, have that unfold within less, you know, 24 hours, like unbelievable. And, uh, just to see the excitement on his face, you know, was, made it all worthwhile. And then he's like, you know what? Going to wear it on stage. We're going to get some photos. And so once I saw those photos from the show, I was just like, this is sick. Like, this is, this is what it's all about. And I've always wanted to do this, like, in my career. Like, how can I bridge these two worlds? You know, how can we? And it just for whatever reason, it, things didn't work out. So to be able to do that and, you know, make his day um, was everything. And now... You know, we stay in touch regularly and um, would love, like, we talked about this earlier, but, you know, if they ever come out to a game, 
would love to pump some state champs in arena. Like that'd be so sick. So uh, fingers crossed that, you know, schedules work out and they're able to come back. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I, and I got a lot of texts from my buddies saying like, oh man, I see that, you know, there's a state champs guy rocking a stars jersey. Like, did you have anything <laughs> to do with it? And I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, then I told him the story. So because you really know, thankful for that. Artists tend to do that. Like when they, whenever they're on tour, they're like, all right, I'm going to rep whatever sports team for that city. But like Derek is genuinely a Dallas stars fan. Mm-hmm. And like, he was telling me a story. Actually, I think Chuck told us a story from simple plan. Like when they were on tour together and they were in Dallas, Chuck was like just sitting at like a sushi restaurant and Jamie Ben walked in <laughs> and like, you know, Chuck being a big hockey guy, like instantly recognized them. So he invited him to the show. And like the uh, Jamie Ben and like his brother was also like in town. So like the Ben brothers showed up at the state champs and simple plan show. And like Derek said, like, you know, I've met the biggest celebrities and rock stars and I'm like totally cool with it. But like seeing the Ben brothers, like he was like, <laughs> like fangirl. And like, he was like, this is like, the coolest moment and and i think that's kind of like how it how it works with these guys like they are just huge hockey fans so like when they get that little bit of moment like Mm -hmm. they just lose it and i was the same way you know i i've been working in pro hockey for 13 years now so you know i i've i've sat you know next to the Sidney crosby's or the ovechkins or the gets lost the you know you name it yeah, I see them, you know, no reaction, right? Whatever, just another day. When I get to interact and meet a, you know, a guy in a band that I, I really look up to and really admire, like, I think that fandom, I feel that again, and I get it, you know? Like, if I were to, I don't know, if I, if I met any band member of a band that I really love, I feel like I'd be the same way. I'd be almost, like, starstruck. Whereas, uh, you know, you see... Uh, a Tyler Sagan, you know, oh, I, I guess that's a bad example because I guess I've, he and I, I feel like he and I, he's like my, uh, he's like my Cogliano here now. He and I are pretty tight. I like talking to him. But again, it's just like this normal daily, hey, you know, what's up? What's going on? And that's really it. Whereas I see, you know, Derek from State Champs, I'm like, that's Derek from State Champs kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty wild, like how it kind of, re- the roles reverse, so. Yeah, and I I wish the NHL would do more of this. You know, like, I I have noticed that they, you know, they had all-time low playing, like, down in Tampa for, like, the season kickoff. And it's like, man, there's so many bands from Tampa who are actually Tampa fans. Like, all-time lows from Maryland, they're not Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Like, why not include, like, the hometown band that's already a fan of your team to, like, do that? Like, Under Oath, for example. Under Oath is a Tampa band. Like, they're all <laughs> huge Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Like, imagine having Under Oath play that. People are <laughs> walking into the arena a little more uh, pep in their step. True. Yes. <laughs> that would that would be an interesting to have Under Oath play a full set before a, you know, a playoff game. Nah, yeah. Count me like, in. I'm there's down. There's no chance I'm that in. they're losing that game. No. So. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, it's interesting because – well, I don't know who it is. Whoever runs the NHL's social media, uh, Instagram or social media. Yes, they've been doing yeah. it a lot recently. See, I see those every time I die references and I'm like, okay, maybe like, maybe we're getting somewhere now where, you know, we're, 
this wasn't the case maybe you know five years ago so they're i geek out about that i I love seeing that it's cool maybe maybe they're secretly listening to us tom and they're like oh wait there's something going on (laughs) oh god i wish man i really do i i think um i think there's there's so much like richness in this in this crossover you know i think there's like so much that that the nhl like could really benefit from exploring too you know um, I, I mean, I do love the fact that there are, you know, more and more alternative bands playing, um, you know, uh, winter classics and some of the more, um, you know, some of the more like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the more uh, like kind of fanfare-ish kind of, kind of things that they do, you know? Uh, but I mean, I think that there are a lot of, um, still a lot of crossover potential that would really benefit the NHL and benefit you know, all of this, this alternative music space, but you know, like every time I die is just a clear, like just a clear um, connection there. And, and, you know, and just like the ethos of what Buffalo is, right. You know, the whole Bill's mafia and, you know, just people getting rowdy and going through tables and lighting fires and just being like insane. Like this, every time I die record, this last record is like the soundtrack to that, you know? So I, I, I would love to see more of it. I really would. Um, but, I, you know, I think that it also, you know, it has to do with um, with what's marketable, right, still. I mean, because, you know, alternative music in some spaces is, but in some ways it still it still isn't. You know, it's still not as, um, as easy it's not to sell. at its peak as it was yeah, in, uh, in the early and that, 2000s. Yeah, and, that, and that's true, too. I mean, you know, like at – you know, at the peak, I'd say just when you were tipping over that mid 2000s, when you had, you know, your Fallout Boys and your Paramours and, you know, your My Chems and all those bands that were just exploding, that was the peak of it. And now, yeah, it's, it's toned down a little bit, but, um, you know, the NHL could be the linchpin of a resurgence for some of that stuff. You know, Maybe the Dallas Stars will be the resurgence of that. I you hope so, man. Right now, I hope. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, you know yeah. what? When when I saw comments that were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe my two worlds collided," or my favorite team and my favorite band are doing something together, like yep. that is it to me, mm-hmm. right? Like that. If if I made someone's day by just doing that, like I have another one fun. for you. Okay. So uh, Bryce Avery from the Rocket Summer, he's he's a Stars fan. He's posted pictures of him going to Stars games and such. I'm gonna try to make it happen. Dude, I now love that. The, he is he was great back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like loved him. A little poppy, but it's okay. I liked it. It was catchy. Yeah. It snowed in Texas in July. Wasn't he, wasn't he a one man? <laughs> yeah, he was a one man band. He was a one man band. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So you see now I'm now I'm going now it's you. bringing me back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't think of any other one. That's the only one I can think of. But <laughs> hey, I, uh, I got yeah. that for every team. Hey. I'm I'm glad you 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 popped that on me. So I'm gonna do Hell some yeah. work now. Yeah. Cool. Well, so. Kyle, man, this was absolutely a blast. Like, yeah, it really was great. It was so refreshing to have this conversation and get a little behind the scenes of Tom and my favorite sport, and loved hearing all of that early 2000s like pop punk references. That is really what Tom and I are like our friendship was built on and it's crazy how literally we live 12 hours away from each other and that's still what brings us together is talking about that era of music so 
totally pumped that we got to have you on, man. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a, uh, I don't get to, you know, really share my love for this music um, all that often, but it's something that sticks with me. It's something that's, you know, very important in my life. So to be able to, 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 you know, find people that share that same love is, is awesome and kind of just take a trip down memory lane. Hell yeah. And we'll definitely hold you to coming on only 2001 to 2005. We'll even let you pick the record because I'm sure Tom and I love it as well. Oh yeah. And all for it, all for it. And then we just like spend a week really diving into that album before we record. And then we just break down song by song. Like, does it hold up? Does it not hold up? Like that kind of jazz. I'm down. All right. Love that, man. Yeah. Dude, Kyle, thank you so much. Um, it is really, really a pleasure to have you on. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best in the future, man. I, I you know, I love what you're doing. Um, I love all of the little references, man. I was just combing through your Twitter. You've thrown out <laughs> Aqu- Aquabats references and all this shit. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. I think it's such, such cool shit. I, uh, I, I hope that you have, you know, a, a great career ahead of you with the stars and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll get you on, do some 2001, 2005. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a blast there. But you go and enjoy your night. Uh, really stoked for this episode to come out. And uh, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that I should I should say here? Probably Well, not. I'm, I'm going to lead us out with some Keep Flying, Woo! which I have a feeling, based on what you say, Kyle, you are going to love them. So enjoy. Thanks again, Kyle. We'll be in touch, man. Thank you.